0: Please clap. It it's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Check this out. Alright,
1: good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me. Hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving as we kick off the holiday season of the year. It is going by quick. Once again, I know it's with age, but I cannot believe we are about to the point where 2023 is over. And as much as many of us would like to say good riddance <laughs> to 2023, Oh, the prospect of what 2024 can hold for us uh, at least politically and uh, geopolitically around the world is a tad bit terrifying. So let's enjoy this holiday season. Focus on what's important, which is your friends and your family and a good quality of life that you can muster in spite of, in spite of uh, our government. I wanted to... uh, Lots to go over between today and tomorrow, but I really wanted to focus in uh, today a little bit, kind of a harken back to my hump day health segment that I did here for six years where I implored people to take control of their health, to look for natural remedies to diseases, look for ways to improve the quality of the food that you consume, and you will find that the quality of your health outcomes is dramatically better as well. And and I ran, across, I ran across a series of clips. I'm going to play some from PBS today. And we're going to kind of take a look at what is really outside of politics, although these things really can't be divorced. When you understand the capture that our government has to corporate interest and more than anything, the pharmaceutical industry. I don't know, maybe it's neck and neck big pharma and the military industrial complex they really control the soul of america it's up to us to take it back on that note as well probably in tomorrow's show we'll take a look javier uh milei that's how i'm choosing to say his name i don't know i've even, i've even really heard it said uh but the new argentinian president the libertarian down there i got to tell you some of his <laughs> his very first moves have got me uh you know, not not thrilled, but also some of his uh, quick announcements are pretty exciting, too, for a libertarian. The most important thing about Javier Mille, which I will say every time, as I explained last week, I'm suspicious of any politician. I do not fall in love with politicians. I wait to see what they actually do. But the the beautiful thing about what happened in Argentina is that the the people chose something dramatically different than what they've had before. We have yet to do that here in the United States. The closest we got might have been Ross Perot back in, what was that, 92, with the Reform Party where he was polling in the 20-somethings. That was the closest we've come from extricating ourselves from this Republican Democrat control in this country for, I guess, at least a century. I don't, my, my historical knowledge passed about a century. The founding of the Fed in 1913, that's about as far back as I go. A lot of people think that Trump is the big rebuke of the system. That's an interesting thing <laughs> to, to vote for a New York City billionaire who's been playing the political game his whole life. And think that he's the big change maker. Even after four years, you know, I got to tell you, I'm going to start this show off with something that's not wildly popular, I guess. But I saw the people of South Carolina. Uh, he, uh, J- Donald Trump, went to the South Carolina Clemson game. I guess I haven't seen it yet, but I, uh, I've seen clips of him coming in. The media tried to portray it as he was booed. I got to tell you, I didn't hear any boos. I heard a lot of cheering. But because I am an outsider, an observer, and wildly different than most people you hear on the radio, the first thing I thought when I heard people cheering for Donald Trump at the South Carolina Clemson game was, isn't this the guy that locked down our country? And he did. A lot of people will say, no, that was the governor's, but I've played clips on here. I keep them... On my Evergreens file where Donald Trump says, no, I locked it down. The buck stops with me. He was mad at governors that were trying to open up early. And so I hear an entire stadium full of people cheering for the guy that shut down the United States of America for a disease that was 99.99% survivable for damn near everybody in that stadium. I don't get it. But anyway, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. I do want to get into some of the health stuff today because there is a scam being run on us. Not on me. Hopefully not on you, particularly if you were a consumer of the Hump Day Health segment for the six years that I did that here at the station. And now Allison Noe has got her own natural health segment that she does. Uh, I guess it's Mondays from 9 until 10. I hope that you listen to that as well. She's a wealth of knowledge, more qualified actually to host a segment like that than I was. But to harken back to that, you know, particularly with Thanksgiving being— I I meant to do this before Thanksgiving because it was such a big food day, but I knew I was going to be constrained on time. And I also realized that the show was going to air the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Everybody had already made their food choices. (laughs) I wasn't going to change any minds on anything the day before Thanksgiving. But I I wanted to play uh, a couple of clips— first from uh, PBS, and then actually a letter that a listener wrote in to another show uh, explaining what they have experienced in this bizarre pharmaceutical experiment they are doing on mankind. And I'm not talking about the COVID shot. If people ever really truly understood, you know, I've said many times, particularly on my health show, that uh, genetically modified foods The foods that were able to be coated in Roundup, they're really very new. The mid to late 1990s is when they first started using Roundup-ready foods, meaning they were spraying all your food, or the big crops, corn, which is in everything, soy, which is in everything. They started spraying that with this Roundup herbicide. So my children born in 2001 and anybody who's got kids who were born from the mid to late 90s until now, this is a, a grand experiment on them. We'll see how their health outcomes end up because this has never been done before. So there's a lot of new things uh, that are that predate the COVID vaccines. As people know, I was railing against the pharmaceutical I mean, statins, HPV. Let's look, let's look at the HPV vaccine. Do people understand that the HPV vaccine has not even been in existence long enough to know if it's effective? The HPV vaccine is what they tell you to give your young girls and your young boys, and now they're trying to expand their market into uh, older men and older women into their 20s from the marketing that I've seen. This is to address uh, cervical cancer. Cervical cancer, which strikes most women, uh, my understanding being in their 30s or 40s. So the little girls who were getting this shot at age 12 have not even gotten into their 30s or 40s to have known if this thing even works yet. And it has been, prior to the COVID vaccine, one of the most dangerous shots that has ever been put out into the public. More adverse reactions. Guillain-Barr was a big syndrome that they saw with that. POTS. I forget what that stands for. A lot of bad side effects to the HPV vaccine, and they don't even know it. There hasn't been enough time since the thing's been introduced to know if it actually stops cervical cancer. And when it comes to cervical cancer... Many of the experts, many of the doctors who have been working in this field for a long time say basically, look, if you get regular checkups, we catch that stuff so quickly it can be treated anyway. But no, they had to roll out basically an experimental shot. This was a big battle with my pediatrician's office as my kids were growing up. I remember the the doctor and the nurse, they would come in and look over the charts. They only got to see my kids once a year because I fed them good food and so they never got sick. And so we basically just went in once a year for a, a checkup and they would come in and they go, well, everything looks good. Uh, only thing that's missing is that uh, the HPV vaccine and they would start to leave the room. They were going to get the syringe. And I would stop them there and go, uh, no, we, we won't be doing that. And you should see, ooh, you should have seen the nurses flip their heads around and look at me like I was the worst parent they had ever seen. And this explained a lot to me because this was a Madison, Mississippi pediatrician. And I realized, oh, I guess I'm one of the only parents that understands that this thing is completely experimental. And it's had tremendous side effects in a lot of young girls and young boys. So this this the COVID shot, I've said many, many times, and I'll continue to say it, it was not the first grand experiment on the American people. High fructose corn syrups, an experiment. They don't test that stuff. You know, food additives, they don't test those things for long-term safety. The HPV vaccine, 72 vaccines for our kids under, what, 12, is that, or six. They don't test those things together. They don't even do placebo trials for regular vaccines. They do the vaccine versus a non-vaccine, but it has the adjuvants in it, things like aluminum or thimerosal. So they don't even do actual placebo trials on these things. So the COVID vaccine is just, it's just one in a long list of experiments they've been doing on the American people to include SSRIs and antidepressants. Now, they've been around for a while, and I don't know about you. <laughs> I look around the country. We don't feel... I don't get the sense that we're real happy. (laughs) Now, uh, antidepressants, there may be some severe cases where it's helped, and I would imagine anybody who's listening to me who's taking the things, and I'm not mad at you. I'm really not mad at you. They become so mainstream, so they they dish them out like candy. I even told you, I took an antidepressant for about a month for no real reason, except that it was so easy to get, and... You know, I was going through a lot of stress at the time, and so I even took an antidepressant. It did nothing to me. It, didn't. I didn't like it. It didn't help. I was just going through some stress. The fact that a doctor told me, oh, maybe you should take an antidepressant. This was back before I woke up. But no bigger experiment on the American people than a bunch of psychotropic drugs. And And always keep in mind this little fact that's so inconvenient to the narrative, which is, The antidepressants, the SSRI, that's the, what is it, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These things, they are designed to counter a chemical imbalance in your brain that they can't even identify or test for. They just made it up. Oh, if you're sad, you don't want to get out of bed, don't look to the food. Maybe you're just burning yourself out with horrific food and chemicals. No, they just say, we're going to classify that as an illness. We're going to call it depression. And we think it must be a chemical imbalance in your brain. So we're going to give you something to monkey around with those chemicals in your brain. I have played clips on this show from a psychiatrist-psychologist convention where somebody met these psychologists and psychiatrists out on the street and said, what exactly is the chemical imbalance in a brain that an SSRI is designed to fix? And every single one of them said, oh, there's, we, we don't know that that's the case. There's no test for that. We're just assuming. These things seem to help some people, so we're just prescribing them. They're monkeying around with the chemicals in your brain to address a problem they can't even identify or test for. They can't measure it. They just say it's so. So SSRIs are another grand experiment that has been done on the people of America. And as I said, it doesn't feel like it's going real well. <laughs> if social media is to be believed, I don't feel like we're a real, real happy-go-lucky people right now. Anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then tying that in with the new, the new class of drugs that they are trying to turn into a big fad through all their native advertising. And if you understand what native advertising is, you know what a commercial is, right? You know that you're being sold something when you see a 30-second spot on a news channel. You know, they're trying to sell you insurance. They're trying to sell you a car. They're trying to sell you whatever. But a native ad is the more nefarious advertising, in my opinion. It's when they bring on doctors, scientists, and they do what look like interviews in the middle of a news show to talk about some of these pharmaceuticals and how great they're doing. They've been doing a ton of this native advertising, meaning they bring on doctors and scientists, dietitians, to talk about the great benefits of these, what are they called, semaglutide, the uh, the Wegovis, and the Ozembics. And they make it sound like it's a news story, but it's actually a paid It's a paid spot by Big Pharma just couched as a story. A lot of times when you see these things, if you time them out, a lot of these stories are about two minutes long. Right at two minutes long. If they go much longer, they let the story fall because Big Pharma only paid for the two minutes in the broadcast. And they use their medical correspondent, chief medical advisor to the news channels to... To tell you these things, that's where all the money is. That's where they make their real money. These doctors that are constantly on mainstream news, corporate news, big pharma news. So you hear a little bit from them, but there was a really, really weird tie-in that I will give credit to another show for uncovering, but I have to pass along to my listeners, should you not have ever heard this before, the tie-in between these antidepressants and these new weight loss drugs. It's a vicious, vicious circle, a hamster wheel that they're putting you on. I'll show you what I'm talking about when we come back. Stick around. Don't stop me now. Don't stop me. Cause I'm having a good time. Having
0: a good time. A shooting star leaping through the sky.
1: All right, so there is a full court press going on right now to convince the American people that, you, uh, that obesity is a disease and you need a medication to overcome it. Uh, nothing for 98% of the people out there could be further from the truth. They have fed you food that is making you fat and lethargic for decades, myself included, at a time. And then they, when the consequences become so obvious, so many people battling their weight, they'll never tell you the truth about the food. They will introduce a new pharmaceutical product to you. And the new class of these things are these semaglutides, the wagovies, the Ozembics, and there's a new player coming on the scene. I can't recall the name right now. I think they may cover it in one of these stories. But I am here to tell you, they are trying to put you into a serious trap. So I'm going to start this off with, uh, this is from a PBS segment about this class of drugs and something that they're now trying to label food noise. Not, not just cravings or food addictions. You understand all of those foods that you get are making you addicted. They actually use chemical combinations to addict you. Every time I see a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, I just think, man. Ain't no farmer come up with that. That's a scientist. That's a lab. They are combining all kinds of things to trigger your taste buds and your dopamine receptors to try to get you hooked on that kind of chemical garbage food. And so they are introducing now not cravings, not problems with your brain, but they're, it's, it's food noise. It's just this, this psychological problem of hearing,
2: hearing about food in your head
1: when you shouldn't be.
2: Drugs like Wagovi and Ozempic are two medications that have become popular for their weight loss benefits. And their increased popularity has put a spotlight on terms like food chatter and food noise. It's the idea of being preoccupied with food or eating. And while the medications can come with a hefty price tag, patients say the drastic change in their relationship to food is worth it. And as a popular hashtag on social media, thousands have been sharing their own stories about food noise and these GLP-1 medications like Ozempic.
3: Do you know what food noise is? Food chatter, emotional chatter. I'm Dr. Carla.
2: Dr. Carla Lester is a pediatrician and an obesity physician. She's been looking at the relationship between food noise and these medications. Thank you. So first off, I'd like to ask you if you could define what food noise is, according to physicians, and what causes it.
3: Food noise or food chatter isn't a medical term per se, but these are patients... This is just something we made up. <laughs> this It's not a medical
1: term. This is just something that we... it's It's great marketing for our drugs. And this woman is a pediatrician. People, you really need to interview your pediatricians. If you've got young children all the way up through teenagers, you need to really understand what motivates your pediatrician. It's not easy to find a really good one. I'll tell you that. I, I didn't have one that was great, but the, I didn't really need one because I handled everything myself and my kids were healthy. They went in once a year for a checkup, but boy, you need to be, oh man, you need to find a good pediatrician before they just totally destroy your children's long-term health
3: people who experience kind of constant noise in their brain. So they have a constant craving mind for food. So it's despite hunger and it doesn't necessarily relate to their weight either. So their food cravings kind of rule the day. They may have just eaten and they're looking forward or thinking about the next meal or the next snack. And as patients are being started on medications like Ozambic, like Wagobi, like Monjaro, for the first time in their lives, they're experiencing a quiet mind. They're going to throughout their day without this constant food noise, food chatter.
1: So there you go. Oh, this is the the key for it. If you're constantly thinking about food, don't pay attention to the addictive nature of the foods that they're feeding you. You just need one of these drugs that'll take care of it for you. They continue.
2: For some people, the food noise is constant. For some, it's non-existent. Is there some biological reason that some people experience different amounts of food noise?
3: Well, I believe that there are a few reasons why we experience it. Number one is I believe our, since our bodies are adapted to keep us basically exactly where we are, the status quo. So somebody who has insulin resistance, a patient who's struggling with obesity will have more of those hunger cues, less of the fullness cues. And so they may have more of the food noise and food chatter throughout the day. So biologically, we need to give ourselves a massive break because it's it's physiologic. It's brain science. Our bodies were not meant to be exposed to high levels of insulin and for sure not persistently high levels of insulin. So over time, the body adapts and becomes resistant to it, which creates higher levels of insulin. So we know that we have this addictive trifecta of refined sugars or processed carbohydrates with trans fats and salt that create addictive pathways and powerful cravings in our mind. And so humans are highly in tune with our senses. So just a visual cue, smelling it, with somebody cooking, hearing it, that will induce craving pathways in the brain that will create more food noise and food chatter throughout the day
1: so this is this is what a lot of people struggle with and and this is really sad it's really sad if if people are going through this now i would imagine maybe i experienced this before i changed my diet if you want to stop cravings and constantly being hungry and looking for food let me explain this to you real quick i I think this i don't know if somebody explained it to me this way or i came up with it i honestly don't know I, I, i have studied so much about the the food air quotes here in the studio food that we eat but basically you shovel stuff down your down your throat goes down into your body and your body looks through it. It just peels through it. It's looking for all of the nutrition that it needs to properly work. And when we're feeding it a bunch of garbage, it just goes through everything. It goes, there's nothing here I can use. Keep eating. Keep eating until you give me what I need. You know, I need to repair some stuff. I need to give you some energy. I need to fuel your mitochondria. I need to keep the brain pumping. And nothing that you just gave me was of any benefit whatsoever. So give me some more. And then people eat more garbage And the body goes through through it and says, nope, still no nutrition. We got a little bit here, a little bit there, but still not enough. Keep eating until we, you know, this is what is going on. The food is so devoid of any nutrition that your body is just telling you to just keep eating until it can finally get out of your food what it actually needs to operate. This is one of the, the mechanisms that's in play. The other is things like diet sodas, which they prove they have proven actually make you crave carbs. It's just one of the biggest scams on the American people. These diet sodas actually create diabetics. Number one, because your body doesn't recognize this artificial sweetener, doesn't know what it's dealing with. Number two, it makes you crave carbs, which makes you gain weight, which makes you insulin resistant, which creates diabetes. And people just guzzle these diet drinks down by the gallons, thinking that they're doing something for their health. I know you're trying. It's just that they've sold you another bill of goods. But uh, anyway, one, one more clip from PBS. Uh, this is basically, like I said, this is a native ad. They're, they're going to talk to you about how uh, these great new drugs are out there. There's nothing else you can do. See, so you're helpless this food chatter, food noise they're now rolling out as a talking point. Uh, They're basically telling you now, uh, you know, this didn't happen 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It's happening now. It must be a mental problem. We need some drugs to solve it. You notice how that always happens? Go back and look at pictures of uh, people on the beach in 1968. A lot of people out there in very good shape. (laughs) <laughs> there, there wasn't a gym on every corner. Nobody's doing CrossFit in 1968, but they're all slim and trim and pretty much normal weight. The vast majority of them, and they are. I guess they weren't suffering from food noise. It's just, oh, this is so sick. So this becomes the sales presentation part of this news story on PBS. And again, I'm a libertarian. I don't think any government money should be going to any. Uh, radio station or any television station, this idea of public radio. Plus, if you ever watch these things, you'll see at the end of every one of these things they say, sponsored by Atmos Energy, the Rockefeller Group, the Carnegie Foundation. They get a ton of private money. I don't know why they need anything from us taxpayers in the first place. But let me just say, uh, they are dealing, uh, these, these, these public radio stations, they're just doing the bidding of the sold out big pharma government.
2: So then why do certain types of medications like GLP-1 medications affect how food noise is perceived in the body?
3: Well, the GLP-1 medications have a lot of effects in the body because we have GLP-1 receptors in many parts of our body. So how it works is... We've got
1: these receptors in our body that have just been waiting throughout all of our... All of humans' time on Earth, it's just been waiting for this drug. I guess this receptor wasn't doing anything naturally, right? Of course. God gave us these receptors just hoping that one day in 2023, we'd roll out a bunch of new big pharma products to hook up
3: with those receptors. In different ways. So it works in the gut. It delays gastric emptying. So patients feel a sense of fullness. And so that helps in that way. It also helps in the gut to... Restore how it's supposed to work is how I explain it to my patients. And I take care of teens. So this is what we're finding out is sometimes when you try a medication in medicine, we find out, oh, there's all these other side effects that are beneficial. And so a...
1: Oh, how about that? Sometimes when we test these drugs on your kids, all the side effects are
3: beneficial. Wow, isn't that great? Powerful one has been to decrease the food noise, the food chatter, the constant cravings the patients experience.
2: And so when we talk about food noise or these cravings, we're not necessarily talking about hunger, but what is the difference between hunger and food noise?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So hunger would be the physiologic sensation that you need to eat. And then the food noise and food chatter is more like the craving mind. So that can be induced by so many different things. You know, we're not taught how to check in with ourselves throughout the day. We're having a lot of stress or restricting ourselves of food. And then we'll get more of that chatter throughout the day.
1: Oh, boy. So I got to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to play a clip from a, a, a podcast called The No Agenda Show. Well, they've got a lot of people that contribute to that show, and one of their listeners wrote in to try to explain this, this idea of food noise. Because it, it basically, it sounds to anybody who's just, well, just a regular old craving, right? We, we know, as much as we love to judge addicts, people who are addicted to drugs, or addicted to porn, or whatever, the, the vast majority of people are sugar addicts we are we are so addicted to and so many people are addicted to these garbage foods i'll admit there's times that i i'll dive into them and it takes me sometimes it takes me a couple of weeks to go mike what are you doing you're getting sucked in again and then i got to radically change my diet to get that crap out of me but anyway i want you to hear um hear them read this letter from somebody that kind of explains this horrific loop that they've got people in between these antidepressants and this food noise. Now, see, they didn't talk about that on the, on the uh, PBS segment, did they? No, no, they, they didn't talk about the fact that one of the great causes of this food noise is other products that they've already gotten you on. We'll play this when we come back. I thought it was really interesting, and it is a cautionary tale for you and all of your loved ones. This, this is not the way. This is not the way to health. This is not the way to happiness, and it is only a matter of a couple of years until we realize the horrific effects of these new class of air quotes here in the studio weight loss drugs. They are a disaster in the making. You need to steer your loved ones away from these things. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show 1039-WYAB. I-, I hope this is, re- this is uh, received better now than it would have been six years ago when I first started really taking on the medical establishment. That would have been, uh, I started my show on a Tuesday, I believe, either a Monday or a Tuesday. The very first Wednesday I did Hump Day Health where I immediately started bashing the medical system. That was in 2017. And I would imagine a lot of people out there said, Oh, Mike. Who are you? Some jackass radio show? you would never been to medical school? No, nothing. My doctor knows more than you. I think that's changed (laughs) for a lot of people. After seeing what took place during COVID, whether it's the shots or the demonization of things like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, people finally woke up and said, I I don't think these people are really, I, I don't think they're trained to do the things in my best interest. So I hope that this show lands well. I hope that people's suspicion is so much more now of the medical establishment that this kind of stuff is better received. We're talking about this new class of drugs, the Ozempics, the Wagovis, these GLP-1s, whatever they're called, semaglutide drugs, that they, this is sweeping the nation now. Oh, well, all it takes is getting a couple of celebrities to tell you they lost 40 pounds on these things. And boy, then there's tens of millions of people that'll take them. Oh, the influencers out there, they slosh money around into people that they know people will follow and they are getting us hooked on just like they got us hooked on SSRIs, antidepressants. Now they're looking to get us hooked on these weight loss drugs. This was very interesting, though. This is the relationship between these drugs and antidepressants.
0: Uh, But I got an interesting note from one of our producers, and that's in regards to... Uh, Ozempic, Wagovi, uh, Deathbound, and uh, and all the others. And it relates to this. Uh, we have heard many times that people who are on antidepressants, I'm just going to say SSRIs, but it, you know, I think it's all under the same basic family, that these make you gain weight. And I always thought that it... That these anti, because you know the antidepressants supposedly also make you uh, you lose libido, which is great because then we can you know prescribe uh, uh, ED drugs, even for women though. You know, for for women I think it's especially they lose their libido. Uh, but the weight gain, I never really realized what it was. And one of our producers wrote in and said, you know, yes, we have a, an obesity epidemic, but it's not just sugar addiction. Listen to this, because this comes back to our topic, food noise. I thought food noise was just people who are addicted to sugar. No, no, this comes from the psychiatric medication. Our producer writes, for the last five years, I've been taking psychiatric medication. Unfortunately, he didn't mention which one that causes weight gain as a side effect. The main point is, for me, the hunger is not related to sugar, as Adam suggested. I don't want a chocolate bar any more than I want a chicken or a bowl of rice. The best way I can describe the sensation is a sort of anxiety relating to hunger. This is the food noise. If I'm even even a little hungry, I get very tense and panicky and feel a need to kill that sensation as quickly as possible. In turn, that causes some fear that I don't even want to get a little bit hungry, so I want to eat even more, so I'm not hungry in between eating. Are you with me on this? This is, this is really messed up. As another consequence, when I do eat, I tend to overeat of that same, for that same fear, I strongly want to kill the hunger sensation, so I better eat two pieces of toast rather than one and maybe a small bowl of cereal as well just to be safe. And at mealtime, the drive to kill the hunger sensation and avoid having it pop up in the future causes me to eat larger portions as well. As I said, it doesn't need to be anything sugary whatsoever. This particular medication has worked beautifully for my severe depression and has really changed my life for the better. I don't want to stop taking it, but I also don't want to add another medication to offset the food noise. So I had this wrong.
1: Oh, that, I, I, my heart breaks for this person who wrote this letter. And then they say, oh, well, I, I don't want to stop it. I, I, because this drug has worked so beautifully for me. W- when people really understand that these pharmaceuticals for depression basically show no efficacy whatsoever, it's, it's a placebo. There's a lot of things out there that show you that, that exercise, that meditation, that eating right... People are eating garbage, which you can imagine does affect your brain. Can people comprehend that? That the stuff that you put into your mouth affects your arms and your legs and your muscles and your, and your blood and your brain. So people eat garbage and the, the doctors don't ever say, you're not feeling good? What, what's your diet like? What's your exercise like? You just—I'm telling you—you you can try this anytime you want to. Just go into a doctor's office and go. I tell you what—I am just struggling. I'm just so depressed all the time. They're—they're they're not going to ask much more than what—what what pharmacy do you use? And—and and so this person doesn't isn't armed with the idea that you don't—you don't need that SSRI in the first place. He says it's worked beautifully for his depression. Now, there may be some extreme cases where these, these drugs are effective. And I, I, I'm not mad at anybody who's taking these things, as I told you. I took them for about a month one time, too. Just didn't do anything for me. I just felt stupid. To be honest with you, I felt kind of weak. Not physically weak. I felt mentally weak. I was like, I'm taking a pill because I'm under a lot of stress. I, just, I need to manhandle my life, what's going on right now, and fix it. So I just dumped these things. Thank God. This is before I knew anything about them, so I'm not mad at anybody who does it. But the fact is, your nutrition is playing a part in your depression in the first place. And then they put you on these drugs, and then it causes you to gain weight. And it probably makes you depressed to realize you can't fit in your clothes anymore and that you're not looking as good as you used to. So maybe they need to stack another antidepressant on it. But while you're at it, if it's the weight gain that's got you so blue and and uh, gloomy, Let's put you on one of these weight loss medications, which will create food noise. (laughs) I mean, well, it's actually it's antidepressants that cause the food noise so they can put you on the weight loss drugs. Now, the weight loss drugs also have got these these side effects that they tell you, just like uh, with the shots. Really rare. I'm sure they would call these uh, weight loss drugs, air quotes here in the studio, safe and effective but they do come with some side effects. And I believe one of those side effects is it can make you depressed and suicidal. So you can go to, back to your doctor after you've lost a few pounds and say, well, now I actually feel a thinner, but I'm more depressed. And you know what they'll probably do? They'll stack another pharmaceutical on top of that first antidepressant you had. Now, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that will listen to this show and say, but Mike, you don't understand me. I need these things. They're working beautifully for me. What I'm trying to tell you is you don't need any of it. You need to learn about food, learn about its relationship to your brain and your relationship to your weight, and you can fix all of this stuff yourself. I've got to take a break. I'll be right back to finish up. All right, I've only got about a minute left in the show. I just can't sit back and watch this stuff happen any longer. If you haven't caught on to the big pharma game by now, I don't know what I'm saying is going to make any difference, but if there's anybody out there who goes, maybe I don't want to try the new latest craze of the drugs, these new weight loss drugs, Look, to to the medical establishment, and this is not every doctor. I always want to make that point. I've had great doctors on my hump day health show. There's tons of great doctors out there. You just got to find them. A little bit of a needle in a haystack situation with those. But to the medical establishment, you are a customer. They call you a patient. Oh, they call you a patient, and they may make you feel better when you go in and you come out. It's just that down the road, you're going to feel worse. But they'll have a pill for that, too. It's weight loss drugs. I've sat on it for months, really not kind of doing a dive into it. So I wanted to make sure that I got to one here. But this is a fool's way to go right now. Hey, you can go back. I do podcast the show, The Mike Madison Show. You can go find it on podcast. Just go back and just find my Wednesday shows. You can scroll through. There are, I guess now, hundreds of them. And And I tried to title them with what I talked about. But you don't even need me. Go to YouTube, look up Dr. Berg, Dr. Mercola. You know, there's a bunch of great doctors, Dr. Mark Hyman. You can get control of your health without any of these medications. And these new ones are like a grand a month, a $1,000 a month. I'll just tell you right now, for $500 a month, I'll give you my personal cell phone number. <laughs> and we'll have a call once a week for an hour. How about that? And I guarantee that your results will be better than what you're going to get from Pfizer or AstraZeneca or whoever's putting out this new weight loss garbage. Beware. That way lies tears. That's all the time I got for today. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
0: We know you and when, when it's time no handle business and we know what to, what to do. Me and my crew, we stay true, old school and new. Many we'll call but the shows in the few. We rise to the top, what you
1: want? Just-